Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's first installment of Fiber for Breakfast in 2021. So we're in week one. This morning, we're going to speak with Jeff Golinski and John George from the Fiber Broadband Association's Technology Committee about the broadband technology design with the future in mind. Before I formally introduce Jeff and John, I'd like to introduce Hallie Roth from our team, who will walk us through some housekeeping items. Thank you, Gary, and good morning to those who have joined us. I'm going to quickly go over a few logistical items. Please keep in mind that all participants are in listen mode only. To ask a question, please type it into the question box located within your control panel. We will host a Q&A session towards the end. This presentation is being recorded and will be available to members on FBA's website within 24 hours. You may find the recording in the events tab under the Fiber for Breakfast drop-down option. At the conclusion of the presentation, you'll be prompted to complete a brief feedback survey. We appreciate your input. I'll now pass it back to Gary to introduce our panelists and get us started. Thanks, Allie. Um, again, good morning and welcome, everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. And today we're going to be discussing the Technology Committee's latest study on how the pandemic has changed the dynamics of the broadband network and the key applications that are driving the growth of symmetrical bandwidth. So joining us today is the chair of the Fiber Broadband Association's Technology Committee, John George. John is the Senior Director of Solutions for Professional Services at OFC and a former broad, um, Fiber Broadband Association board member. Joining Jeff is uh, Jeff Galinsky, the Marketing Director for Strategic Associations and Alliances at Calix and a con key contributor to this study. So welcome, John and Jeff. I know you have a lot to cover, so we definitely want to leave some time for Q&A. So let's jump right in. And for our audience, you know, please type any questions you have as we go, and then we'll do some Q&A at the end. So I'll turn it over to John and Jeff. So thank you, Gary, for the introduction, uh, and just wanted to uh, indicate here that there were a lot of contributors to this study, and it's ongoing. So in addition to Jeff and myself, uh, Mike Render, uh, from RBA, Barry Walton from Corning, Mark Boxer from OFS, uh, and we've had this reviewed by the entire technology committee. Uh, and next slide, please. So the Fiber Broadband Association Technology Committee uh, is charged with promoting awareness and business implications of active systems, passive components, and deployment techniques for fiber broadband networks. And, and boiling that down, our mission is really to educate stakeholders. Uh, on the benefits, capabilities, and deployment of fiber broadband technology. So it's a group of thought leaders and contributors. That uh, is uh, a committee that's open to all fiber broadband association members. We inform the industry on relevant topics, uh, fiber broadband education and certification programs. Uh, we recently published an FTTX OPEX Advantages white paper. Uh, Road to 5G is paved with fiber. Uh, wireless needs fiber, lots of it, uh, fiber technology guidelines for MDUs, uh, and we're developing uh, an FTTH versus fixed wireless broadband 
paper. There's an advocacy brief uh, that's been produced around that, uh, looking at fiber to the home versus uh, lower Earth orbit satellite broadband. And today we're going to discuss bandwidth growth requirements for access networks and how uh, fiber is the broadband with the future in mind. The link below gives more information about our committee, but we encourage you, if you're not a member, to join FBA and participate uh, on, uh, I believe, the largest committee we've got. You can see the list of membership there, people representing various uh, types of companies that are part of the fiber broadband ecosystem. Uh, next slide. Yeah. So uh, you heard Gary in the introduction indicate the impact of the pandemic. Uh, fiber broadband is now more important than ever based on this. We've all experienced increased Video conferencing, uh, this is a chart that was done by Mike Render on the left there showing uh, about a doubling of video conferencing for all types of different applications. Um, according to Sandvine, we see uh, upstream traffic more than doubled uh, by May, downstream up 23%. Uh, the one on the right here is really instructive. One third to one half of business travel will go away more meetings will take place electronically, virtually. And before this uh, call started, uh, Gary, Jeff, and I were discussing uh, recent statements by our own sales teams. They believe this is going to be the case. Uh, many meetings are going to be virtual. And so the pandemic has really accelerated our movement towards a virtual world uh, by three to four years by many estimates. And that has important impacts on the fiber bandwidth, uh, the bandwidth required. Uh, that requires, uh, we believe, fiber to uh, to be viable, not just today, but in the future. So some perspective here, uh, you know, many times uh, I think people tend to believe, well, the bandwidth demand is going to plateau. Uh, it's never plateaued from the beginning. Uh, year 2000, and actually before 2000, you can probably remember 0 0.05 megabit, 50 kilobit per second dial-up uh, around 2000, we had one meg available. Uh, Ten years later, 10 meg, one meg up. Uh, today, uh, we believe 100 down, 50 up is, is a minimum uh, that's really adequate to uh, conduct a, a virtual life without a lot of impediments on the Internet. And at this growth rate, we see and we talk about, we're going to be requiring a gigabit at least uh, in the next 10 years by 2030. So. Today's definition of broadband should support at least a decade of bandwidth growth. Otherwise, uh, a broadband network constructed today will become obsolete very quickly. And upstream bandwidth capacity needs to be symmetrical, equal to downstream to support the new applications under development today. And we're going to talk more about that. Next slide. And so I'll turn it over to Jeff. Cool. Thank you, John. Happy New Year to everybody. <clears throat> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a step forward um, with application use. Um, so both augmented and virtual reality technologies will be life changing in both in home use as well as for business. So for example, in retail alone, 100 million consumers are expected to use AR this year to differentiate their shopping experience. And according to Grandview Grandview Research. The virtual reality market size will, will surpass 48 and a half billion by 2025. So with the cost of 
AR and VR devices dropping dramatically over the next five years, technology adoption, use, and demand will increase proportionately. What impacts will this have on broadband networks? Next slide, please. So immersive cloud technologies require symmetrical speeds to support um, a rich experience. Why? There are dynamic, dynamic inputs on either end. And as you can see here, as the visual experience is enriched by technology advancements, symmetrical bandwidth demand accelerates. As we consider building networks, consideration should always be given for the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario here, and as you will see in the forthcoming slides, is technology use and aggregation, because this is really gonna have a major impact on networks um, in the next decade. Next slide, please. So the next three slides, what I'm gonna show you are, are um, both digital video applications and IoT applications and what kind of bandwidth they will consume. Um, and as you'll, as you'll notice, as the technology itself improves, the bandwidth demand increases. And then I've, I've, we, we've highlighted here those applications um, that require low latency and low jitter to support the application itself and enhance the consumer experience. So as you can see here, um, you know the the one that I think that out of the two here that I'm really interested in to see um, how they are impacted um, in the home is cloud gaming and 8K video streaming. Here I'd like I'd like to point out that digital appliances are getting more sophisticated. And we are seeing an increase in security camera use in the home. Even with technology advancements, these IoT applications do not require significant bandwidth. Of note here is the impact and future use of robotics. If robotics requires access to the cloud, then supporting bandwidth demands could exceed 10 gigabits symmetrical. One final note here is that we should foresee the potential of creating a technology application use divide if we are not capable of building out the entire of uh, the entire country with access to fiber, as we sit here today, it is unlikely that wireless technologies can support these applications, and certainly not in aggregate use. Especially if you consider that, with all the applications I've just shown you over the last three slides, um, you're looking at if if they're all used at the same time, you're looking at you know nearly two gigabit. Um, symmetrical capacity required to support these applications in the future. Thank um, you, Jeff. So what we've done here is uh, taken the bandwidth requirements of all the applications that uh, Jeff described uh, and projected for a older uh, people uh, engaging in various applications. And that's going to be and uh, projecting the bandwidth demand that will be required over the next 10 years. So uh, from 2020 through 2023, we're going to see the emergence of uh, uh, not just 4K uh, we've got today, but also uh, low definition AR, augmented reality, and VR virtual reality that are going to drive the bandwidth. Up faster for uh, the next uh, time period 
starting around 2024, we believe 8K uh, will be start emerging for two-dimensional video, and we're going to start seeing the higher definition augmented reality, virtual reality, and driving up the bandwidth accelerating. Starting to see the upstream approaching down and with requirement for this household. Uh, and then the retinal uh, AR, VR, that's the one we're calling the 600 per stream. Uh, that will drive a further acceleration uh, toward the end of the decade, up to two gigs symmetrical required for a household of four. And I uh, just want to note this doesn't include robotics. Big, uh, that Jeff described. Uh, this is the potential uh, robot, as many different constantly uploading, downloading to the cloud that could require a 10 gig connection. That is not included here. So you could really view this as a baseline view, and um, we could need much higher bandwidth to uh, to support the robotics. Also, not including the early adopters, maybe a work home power users, gamers. This is a typical family peak bandwidth requirement. And, and I certainly wish I was what we show 2020 today. Uh, right now, 25.3 is what I'm, I'm dealing with, uh, and, and it can be challenging in personal experience. And uh, as we see uh, an increase in bandwidth, um, we're going to see the FTTH customer experience advantage over other technologies increase as the bandwidth increases. So this is a study from 2019 uh, that RVA completed. And just to summarize it, based on uh, surveys of end users uh, on the download, upload speeds, latency, reliability, um, the uh, satisfaction index, other parameters you see on the right, um, DSL had a 38% rating, primarily because of the lower speeds and reliability. Uh, hybrid fiber coax, uh, that had a 65% rating, lower reliability, lower speeds than fiber, particularly in the upload, uh, and then fiber with a 98% rating. So uh, this contrast and the advantage of fiber versus the other technologies is only going to increase as bandwidth increases. And then uh, we can see this uh, reflected in uh, actual speed test measurements uh, that fiber to the home uh, data rates are pulling away uh, for both download and upload speeds, um, and particularly for the upload speeds where we're seeing uh, uh, at least three to eight times higher upload speeds versus the other technologies, including wireless. Uh, so fiber to the home is the, uh, the technology with the future in mind. So to conclude, broadband networks that we build today, that are built today, uh, we've, we're planning for those to support at least a decade of uh, service. And, uh, if they don't, then they're going to become obsolete within that time frame, and those subscribers will be left behind. Keeping pace at a minimum with ever-growing bandwidth demands you see here, uh, we believe very, very realistically reaching a gigabit, two gigabit symmetrical by 2030. Fiber broadband is the answer here. Best customer experience, 
uh, lowers operating expenses significantly. So anybody who's looking at the business case versus any other technology, uh, they all use some kind of active equipment, powered equipment, and that's a key driver of operating expense. Uh, fiber broadband has 63% lower versus copper there. Uh, you build once, build the infrastructure once uh, to keep pace with this bandwidth growth that um, we believe will be 30% per year going forward. Uh, fiber broadband technology, uh, 10 gigabit capability is fast emerging. Many new networks are built now with 10 gigabit capability. 25 gig has been introduced recently by several companies, and uh, that's not even close to the potential of fiber broadband. Uh, measured upstream speeds, as we mentioned, uh, up to eight times higher than the other technologies. Uh, when we build fiber broadband networks, we can also support uh, mobile front haul, back haul, the mobility network all on one cabling system. So there's a great efficiency there. We talk about that in another technology committee uh, presentation webinar. And today we've got uh, fiber broadband available to about 40% of US residences, 60% of buildings. It's growing fast. Uh, so now's the time to uh, build out uh, the rest of the U.S. to have broadband networks ready for the future. And uh, that's our last slide. And at this point, I think we can take questions. Thanks, John. You know, it's um, interesting. You know, we, you know, this past year has really been kind of an opener for everyone. You know, if I look at, uh, I was reading the Wall Street Journal this weekend, and uh, they had an article that said that basically work from home is not going to go away post-pandemic. Um, they cited a couple studies. One was University of Chicago, a study of 10,000 workers that found that 84.7% of those workers found working from home more efficient than the office or about the same. Um, another study of about 15,000 workers, 61% um, found that work from home was better than they expected. Another 26.2% found it was about as, as they expected. So do you see that work from home will continue and that will be a, a big driver of residential broadband going forward? Well, certainly uh, many colleagues uh, indicating that, because uh, they've been working from home in different industries, uh, friends, that uh, their company's plans are some kind of a hybrid model. Um, there's a notion of reducing the cost and space required for offices um, and uh, maybe moving to something like a 50% model. It's going to be interesting to see how play time. But certainly, uh, uh, many are budgeting for forward the uh, the in-person or virtual meeting person contact with with uh, from a sales perspective um, and in many technical support but he's uh, virtually better uh, than we realized was possible so I don't see us going back uh, to the uh, travel yeah, I so I, I happen to think that um, we may not go back to the travel we were used to having, but I think um, I'm hearing more and more people um, wanting to get 
get out of the home and get on the road and and actually get in front of people. And I think, um, you know, it's just part of our human nature to want to connect, you know, face to face with people. And I so I, I think we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, next year. But I think one of the first areas, as we talked about earlier, that could be positively impacted by this are events, right? Because that'll be one of the first places where you can go and and actually see people. So I got a, a question here. Um, for Mark, do you think the big demand for 8K video will be further away since the difference between 8K and 4K are only noticeable on very large screens, which are only affordable by a limited, limited percentage of the population? Which I know I saw an ad yesterday for a, uh, a top brand um, 75 inch TV for 400 and some dollars. So seems like TVs are getting pretty cheap. What do you guys think on that? So I, I think, um, I mean, that's a fair question. I, I think what we should be concerned about there are, are, are probably two things. One, one, uh, one point I, I would have liked to have brought up earlier was that one of the other things I'm concerned about is that we have to figure out a way to rid ourselves of data caps in this country. Um, because the applications that I talked about are, are we are talking about multiple terabit consumption per month. And for folks who are cutting the cord, so to speak, like I have been um, off the sort of cable satellite grid for 11 years, I had to jump off of Comcast because I was being capped. And it's because we do everything over the top. So to answer your question, I think if you look at an interesting statistic that um, the average U.S. citizen um, streams eight hours of video content per day. So if you start thinking about what kind of consumption that is and the demand on the network, um, I, I think it's fairly significant over time, um, given those numbers. But I don't know that there is a big difference right now between 4K and 8K. What about an application? Well, I saw it like um, tele telehealth has really, you know, transformed. I, I think everything is kind of this whole digital transformation we've seen over the last several months, you know, kind of a big driver. But when, you know, I, I hate going to the doctor and, um, you know, having to go sit in a waiting room and then go into another little waiting room and wait around for my three minutes with the doctor. But things like, um, you know, Plush Care, one of those uh, virtual primary um, care providers, saw 460% increase in patient sign-ups in the past year. You know, things like um, the hospital near where I am at, UAB, they um, went from four telehealth sessions both pre-pandemic to now they're doing 1,100 a day. Um, so are those, you know, that would, I can see where more resolution becomes very critical. Well, I, I think you have to look a, a little bit ahead a little bit ahead in the future um, before you start seeing any real uh, significant impacts to bandwidth because that 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 technology is really at the um, starting point right now so as we see more um, complicated diagnostic telehealth applications that might be a different conversation we would have well, I yeah, also, I'd, I'd like, go ahead john yeah so uh people Said the same thing about the transfers from uh, 2K to 4K, that uh, there's not much difference. But once uh, 
people become accustomed to four K when they go back. So I think the same is going to happen with eight K. Uh, larger screens, you know, seeing uh, proposals for um, wall-sized TVs and homes are getting so darn inexpensive, it's unbelievable. Um, and so uh, over time, I do believe AK will have very strong adoption and the bandwidth will increase commensurately. So one of the, another question that came in is, um, you know, what, what demands do you see um, this growth affecting the construction industry? Well, John, John, I'll let you I'll let you tackle that one first. I, I didn't quite hear the repeat that, Gary. Yeah. So with the dollars growth, how is that um, affecting the the construction industry? So what are you seeing as far as construction? Uh, I mean, if the question is and uh, there's certainly uh, interest in uh, deploying fiber uh, based on what we've seen with the pandemic. Uh, we're all aware of the uh, Rural Digital Opportunity Fund uh, auctions that took place and over $9 billion was there. So uh, if anything, from a network construction standpoint, uh, we're seeing increases. And hopefully that was the, the question. Yeah, I, I wonder. Um, I wonder going forward, given all that John just talked about, um, and, and to include stuff like 5G, um, micro data center technology that requires fiber construction. Um, do we have enough resources in the construction industry itself? Um, you know, is, are, are there enough? you know, people to to actually do the job that needs to be done. Um, as, far as, as, far, as far as I can tell, it looks like um, we're going to be overwhelmed and we may not have enough construction resources in terms of talent. Yeah, so these, you know, if I look at kind of the Mike Render study, Mike was on just before the holiday and he had, his study showed that 88% of the CapEx last year was from small providers. And so while 2020 was a slight dip in um, the fiber capex, what we're seeing is all the major providers are now are going to be making big pushes here in 2021. So we are anticipating that 2021 will be the biggest investment in fiber um, in history, and that will continue on for um, several years to come. So I, I think that uh, what we can anticipate is the construction industry is going to be putting in as much fiber as possible. Um, over the coming years. Um, Matt also chimed in on the 4K versus 8K, and he says you really need about a 75-inch to 85-inch TV to notice a difference. Um, and I, I agree with that. The the thing that I never thought is, you know, when we had a 55-inch, I'm like, why would anybody need more than 55 inches? And now when you walk in the house, it doesn't have a 65-inch, you're like, wow, that's pretty awful small. Um, so um, I think to Jeff's comment is, uh, the TV cannot be big enough, and uh, so it's it's crazy on um, how big a TV we need and the definition because it's hard to go back. Uh, the other thing that um, I guess is really starting to take off is kind of this everything as a service. You know, um, you mentioned doorbells. You know that that's an amazing amount of bandwidth that your doorbell takes up. You know, I'm looking at your camera, but 
you know, everything from like a Peloton exercise bike now is connected, you know, um, everything is, has a monthly service. You know, these things seem to, I think in your study there, you showed that they start to add on, on the whole IoT, that when we're connecting everything and trying to make any piece of hardware becoming a, a monthly recurring revenue stream for those um, vendors, that really starts to drive a, a ton of bandwidth, right? Absolutely, and you know I don't think we can should discount the uh, the younger generations that grew up in the digital world are going to expect and be uh, much more open and demanding of uh, digital interaction, uh, and uh, and and that will drive increasing uh, bandwidth demand applications, things we haven't even thought of, quite honestly. You know, in 2000, could we have predicted? Uh, what applications would drive the bandwidth to the levels it is today uh 20 years beforehand likely not so there are probably applications that consume and require much harder bandwidth than we have because it's been the case you know for the last 30 years we've seen indeed a 40 percent annual increases no reason to expect that's going to go away Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, we're running out of time. We got a couple more questions just to get here at these two last two. Um, so great inputs. How are companies like OFS and Calix planning their expansions to keep pace with the growing demand? You know, what are you seeing on pricing trends on active and passive equipment? Well, since since fiber is so important, go ahead, John. Well, of course. Uh, uh, as we've seen over the years, the uh, the price of fiber has dropped dramatically. Uh, and um, so uh, I would say at this point, if you look at the cost of fiber to the home networks in general, fiber, and I don't want to speak for Jeff, but I mean, the, the information is out there, the actives, everything has become very cost effective. Uh, and uh, when you look at the whole business case, including operating expense advantages, Fiber to the home is is very cost effective, um, providing that future capability, uh, all the benefits, uh, in addition to operating expenses and the productivity, the economic development. Looking at the big picture, uh, certainly the, the the cost is there to make uh, fiber broadband viable, and the proofs in the pudding. We've already got over 50 million homes passed in the U.S. and uh, as Gary said. Uh, we're going to have the biggest year likely in 2021 in 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 that investment. Jeff, what are you yeah. seeing as far as um, the, what's being built? Is it mostly still GPON, or are you seeing more 10 gig symmetric um, deployments from your company? So I think I think for the most part it's still it's still uh, GPON, but um, as John said earlier, um, we're starting to see more more 10G being discussed. And I, 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 so we're really talking about XGS pond here, um, and you know, I, I'm not um, in, a pond engineering expert, but but certainly I think um, what needs to be done um, from a, a network infrastructure perspective is to think think um, about the future and about the applications we talked about because if you're not thinking about this, then you're always going to be in a reactionary mode. So looking forward and adopting technologies where it makes sense to adopt them, 
So in this case, um, 10G, and at some point, um, just like the TV discussion we had, 25G will be, you know, will be the norm, will be discussed quite heavily, and we'll, someday we'll look back on this and, and kind of laugh that we, <laughs> we talked about one gig, but, and, and maybe two gig symmetrical, but, you know, we're 25 and 40 gig now, right, right on the periphery. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time, but I want to thank you know John and Jeff. Really appreciate your leadership and all the hard work and contributions from the technology committee. I hope you all join us again for Fiber for Breakfast next Wednesday. We'll be discussing lighting up Utah with open access fiber uh, with Roger Tinnerman and uh, Kim McKinley of Utopia Fiber. So thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to getting back together with you next Wednesday. Thanks, everyone.